broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios. Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is College Hockey Southwest Live. All right, welcome in NCAA hockey fans. Indeed, this is College Hockey Southwest Live, a special edition due to NCAA regional action going on today. Scott Strandy with you in Centennial, Colorado tonight. Um, no co-host, but a great guest coming on in just a couple of minutes. Uh, my co-hosts are uh, tied up doing family things. And um, the, the special co-host that we've had for a couple of uh, weeks now is uh, somewhere between O'Hare and Minneapolis. But I'm here, and I'm going to bring on a special guest in about two minutes. But wow. That's all I can say. I'm going to say it multiple times. The uh, Denver Pioneers are headed to Boston uh, for the Frozen Four. Um, man, what a coaching job by David Carl. What a job by Captain Cole Gutman. And uh, Mr. Clutch, Carter Savoy, just continues to do what Carter Savoy does, which is score big goals, uh, even if they're lucky bounces. <laughs> they're still, they all still count. So <clears throat> the one ticket is punched uh, from the West Regional. And uh, at uh, the regional in um, Albany, New York, uh, Minnesota State and Dryden McKay punched their ticket uh, with a uh, one nothing victory. The goal is scored by Nathan Smith um, at 1944, the first period. And that's all they needed. Uh, Minnesota State been the number one team on and off for the entire year. And um, they're going back to the Frozen Four. So congratulations to Coach Mike Hastings and the uh, Mavericks as they will be in Boston along with the Pioneers. We have two more games to go in regionals. We've got Michigan and Quinnipiac playing in uh, the Allentown uh, Regional. We also have Western Michigan and Minnesota going in the Worcester, Worcester, Massachusetts. I keep trying to get that going, but I'm sorry. I'm working on it. I'm just not a Northeast guy. I'm a I'm upper Midwest Minnesota guy. So um, excuse my... Uh, accent if you will or lack of an accent <laughs> anyway uh the, the loveland regional is complete uh it's great and that's why i'm bringing on the man from uh magnus mayhem the blog the writer the little bit of everything chris bay is joining me tonight chris uh you and i uh, sat next to each other for a while then i dashed around and took pictures and we came back and then you babysat my laptop as i left it in the building. So welcome in. Thank you very much, Scott. Uh, I'm pleased to be here and glad I could help however I, however I could. <laughs> Somebody's <laughs> got to watch after me between you and Ron. I think uh, it's a full-time job. But anyway, um, let's start off by telling everybody what you do, because it's not just Denver, but it's also Air Force. So fill us in on what, uh, what Chris Bay does. Oh, boy. I, I do a lot. Um, I have a newspaper background, daily newspaper, um, have written about college hockey, junior hockey, grassroots hockey in Wisconsin and um, Iowa and California and Colorado. I love the college games. So um, do a lot of freelance work for different outlets. But uh, when we I moved here in 2015, um, didn't see tons of coverage of DU and started Magnus Mayhem for the 15-16 season and just as sort of an outlet. Um, I wasn't doing a lot of hockey writing at the time and enjoyed it and then um, started writing about all three college, D1 college teams here for a publication that no longer exists. And um, just that's sort of how the Air Force blog, the, the flight path started. And 
Um, so I bounce around and I guess it just, it scratches that hockey writing itch for me. Like I said, I do some, some other work, um, uh, in California for, um, various websites and things too, but, uh, I just love the college game and, uh, you know, couldn't feel more fortunate, I guess, to, to watch how this Denver team has grown this year and, and just seeing the level of excellence that they have every year. But, um, you know, to make it to the frozen four in 2016, 2017, um, 2019, which I thought was such a neat run because it was so unexpected. And then this year with a young team where I, I don't know if anybody knew how they would do and here they are. Yeah. I'm going to tell you a lot of people didn't know how they were going to do and they, uh, they did fantastic. But before we dig into this game that you and I both watched together, I want to get your thoughts on uh, the Budweiser event center and the, the fan base tonight. Cause that was electric. I know they announced it as 4,000 something, but goodness gracious, there was hardly an empty seat anywhere. And um, you know, I'm there for Eagles games occasionally and, and I see a packed house and a wild crowd, but Man, the Denver Pioneer fans—they brought it, and it was—it uh, was apparent when we talked with the uh, media from Duluth that the players felt it. Scott Sandlin felt it. What did Chris Bay think? I, I was highly impressed. Um, you know, first of all, it's—it is a great facility to see hockey. Um, just a disclaimer—I'd only seen monster trucks there before, so. Um, but what a great, what a great place to see hockey. First of all, they, I mean, hats off to them. They, they treated us like Kings the whole weekend and the DU fans, I mean, Thursday night was good today. They really brought their a game and, you know, all the players after the games said to us, coach Carl said to us that what an impact that had on them, how much it energized them. And, it was loud. It, I mean, it was intense on the ice, but it was intense in the stands. I mean, I, you know, I had a little hop in my step when I came out of there tonight. <laughs> you weren't alone, my friend. You were not alone. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Captain Noah Cates from UMD said um, that they, they, somebody asked him how he liked the crowd. And he said, well, it was a lot of red. But he said, I kind of wish we could have a regional like that close to us, meaning somewhere close to Duluth, because there were Duluth fans. Let's not uh, let's not sell them short. But, man, the Pioneers were, were out in full force. And, um, you know, I told you before the game, I said, I kind of feel like this this Ralph Backstrom thing is is real um, as the game went on, Chris, and and the way the team played and finally getting that quote-unquote lucky bounce goal from Carter Savoy, I felt there was a little Ralph Backstrom influence. Maybe that was a little Ralph Backstrom pushing it across the goal line. It very well could have been, Scott. And as Coach Carl said after the game, there were no passengers tonight, and there the effort and the energy level that I saw was consistent all game long. And it was, whether it was winning 50-50s, whether getting to loose pucks, winning battles along the boards, not giving up on plays. Their defense, I thought, was an underrated part of this game. They they just did not give up. And, you know, Minnesota Duluth really brought it. I mean, we, we can't forget them. The Bulldogs really brought it. And uh, I, I think there might be something to that, Scott. They're, they really had an extra step tonight. It was really impressive. Well, for those that don't know, Ralph Backstrom uh, – big influence with Denver pioneer hockey. 
um, huge influence and maybe the influence in uh, Loveland and the Colorado Eagles and passed away last year. And uh, the Denver Pioneers are honoring him with a patch this year. And uh, David Carl's mentioned it uh, at least to me a few times. And I think he said it a couple of times this weekend too, that um, this was important for their team to come up here and play. Um, let's make it sure that everybody understands this too. This is not the home ice of the Denver pioneers. As a matter of fact, they hadn't been on that ice. I don't believe until Wednesday or Thursday. Mm -hmm. Right. That was my understanding too. I mean, as we discovered it, it's a bit of a drive from the Denver area (laughs) to Loveland. So uh, I'm pretty sure they weren't running practices there during the season. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the Colorado Eagles, uh, graciously gave up their locker room uh, to the pioneers, which again, another connection, but um, you talk about home ice. I was at that building last year, Chris, for uh, the regional. And of course was in the middle of COVID and uh, there were no fans. And I basically, uh, there was not much media either, by the way, I walked Mm -hmm. uh, around the stadium and, and arena and I could actually sit anywhere I wanted and take pictures. And it was eerie. And tonight it felt like we're back to normal. I, I hesitate to say that, but your thoughts on that? Does it feel like college hockey and maybe life is getting there? I feel like it is. I really do. And um, tonight I think probably cemented that, but all season at, at college hockey games, there've been pretty good crowds in the state and, um, you know, obviously CC and air force have smaller venues than Magnus, but um, you could feel it, but today you, I really, I really did feel like things were back and, uh, just the enthusiasm and, uh, the vigor the fans brought and, and the players, I mean, Cole Gutman said a couple times, just, you know, the past two years were so weird for players too. When you look around and there's no one in the stands or, or no playoffs, unfortunately, two years ago, and then to, to have this and to be welcomed by this and, you know, over the years, players have told me even having that energy from the uh, being a visiting team in an arena and feeding off that fans energy, I think it helped both teams. And I think it contributed to this being such a special game. I want to take you back to Thursday night and the uh, opening game against UMass, uh, UMass Lowell. And uh, before the game, <laughs> before the press, uh, I guess it was after the practices on Wednesday, uh, Coach Carl kind of gave it to me a tad because I asked him if they had learned anything and what they were going to do um, in response to what happened at the frozen faceoff. And uh, he quickly reminded me that there was a game to be played Thursday before Saturday. And um, tonight he admitted that those two teams are so similar that he didn't really change the game plan much. So do you think um, there was extra jump in the steps of uh, the pioneers, maybe midway through the second and certainly in the third period of Thursday night. And that carried over to the start tonight. I I think so. They were a little listless when they came out of the gate on Thursday night, but I, I thought they, they just built as the game went on, they built and, the third period, they really took over and played like we know they can. I think their skill level really came through. And these were both tough physical games. I mean, there's probably a lot of ice bags still being applied. And <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, I do feel like they 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 picked up some steam. But tonight, there was just the consistent effort from the opening face-off to the final buzzer. I mean, I didn't see any let-up at all, whereas 
Thursday, it took them some time to get into gear. And uh, they, like I said, I think it built, I think halfway through the first period, the pulse started to register a little bit. And then halfway through the second, they were, you know, you could tell they were, they were getting down to business, but um, you know, these, these games were anybody's game, as you well know, Scott, uh, they could have gone either way, either night. Yeah, absolutely. And it says an awful lot, Chris, for the uh, NCHC and the competition. I asked uh, Scott Sandlin to, to uh, just talk a little bit about that. And, and he said that playing in the NCHC every weekend is like the best preparation you can have for an NCAA tournament. And um, I, I think he's a hundred percent right. But uh, when we get back to the pioneers, I know you've heard this too multiple times, Chris, cause you're around that program a lot too, but uh, Coach Carl has told me from the very beginning that, um, yeah, you know what? Winning the gold pan is great. Winning the uh, Penrose Cup is great. Winning the frozen faceoff would be great. But their goal all year has been a national championship. They want number nine. Your thoughts on that? Oh, un- unquestionably. I mean, when you stand outside their locker room, you know, what's in the trophy case right by the door? I mean, they're, <laughs> yeah, I they're reminded it. of it. They're reminded of it going to work and they're reminded of it when they, when they clock out, so to speak. So, you know, that is the goal. And just look at, just look at their past two months. You know, they, they play St. Cloud state in the tournament, play Minnesota Duluth in the tournament, obviously play Western Michigan might be in the frozen four play Omaha, which a couple breaks here and there, they're in the tournament CC, then you're in the playoffs against Miami, big physical team, then Duluth again, then Lowell, then Duluth again. I mean, how can you not be ready after after two months of that? I mean, you know, there, there really aren't nights off in this league. I mean, CC and DU hate each other. I mean, those aren't easy games. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I mean, my the Miami games, I mean, they're a big physical team. I mean, you know, they might win, but they're not, they're not, it's probably, I guarantee you, it's not a fun game to play in for DU. They're physical. So I, I think there's a lot to it. I mean, every weekend you're running into this and I think it does prepare you. So let's kind of break down this, uh, this DU team. Let's start from the senior class. Cole Gutman. Wow. What a leader. Uh, he's, he's been that leader since, um, God, well, since media day for me anyway, because when I met him at media day, it was like, Oh, actually, last summer I had him on the podcast and he was preparing us for what the season was going to be like. But what a leader. You look at Ryan Barrow. You look at um, uh, Brett Stapley. Uh, you just go down the list of, of the guys. Kyle Mayhew, um, the, the senior leadership, although there's not a lot of them, it's been really good from start to finish, hasn't it? You know, it really has. And a little little side note is um, when I was in California writing about grassroots hockey, Mayhew and Gutman are two players that I wrote about as young players. And Gutman, I think, has been a captain, you know, probably back to Bantams or Pee Wees and, you know, was on the first California team to win the Quebec tournament. You know, he goes to junior in Dubuque and captain there. So it, it, there was sort of, when he came to DU, I thought, well, there's just this air of inevitability. At some point, he's going to be their captain and has done such a tremendous job. And, you know, let's not forget, there's such a freshman and sophomore heavy team that 
none of those guys have ever had ever played in the tournament before. <laughs> so, um, you know, Stapley, again, he's, you know, he's a warrior. He's overcome two shoulder surgeries and look at the year that he had, you know, Mayhew, I, I, you know, I don't know that I've ever seen him get beat to a puck. He's such a great skater. He understands leverage. He can overcome size disadvantages. And then, you know, Barrow again, I mean, if, if the puck is going along the wall, he's, he's probably coming out with it. Um, and it, again, just takes such a beating and just, he just keeps on going. I mean, I think it's as much by example as it is by words with these guys. Cause I don't know that any of them other than Stapley are real big talkers. But boy, their example and their work ethic is is something to behold. And the other one that I purposely left out of there is the uh, the only one that Denver plucked out of the transfer portal, a grad student in Cameron Wright. And I have been so impressed with the way he's handled himself because he came from Bowling Green. Um, he, he was pretty much the leader of that team all the way through. Mm-hmm. Then he makes the adjustment to come to Denver and he bought in right away. Coach Carl said he was the first guy to pass the, the off-season conditioning test and, and to dig in. And I believe he told me that he came here in June and started working out and hasn't been home yet unless unless he snuck home at Christmas time. So you talk about a buy-in. And, Chris, I always tell you when I'm, when I'm shooting pictures and I'm looking through the lens and uh, I see guys keep popping up, and this weekend, number 16, Cameron Wright, was all over my lens. And I just, every time I look at it, I go, like, there he is again. There he is again. <laughs> it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, off the ice, and, and I've been fortunate to talk to him, he's such a pleasant young man. I mean, just a very easygoing, pleasant demeanor, you know, up very, very upbeat. I mean, not hard to see why he would fit in well with this group, but Boy, you're right, Scott. He he has an extra sense about where the puck is going to be, and he he gets to it. He finds those areas either to get open or to retrieve pucks, and he's one of those guys. I, I think you you may not always notice him, but like you said, when you you look at it more closely, you realize he's always around the puck. I mean, it it is really amazing and. As long as I've covered DU, I've heard, you know, you want to have a guy who's got a, a good head and, and good wheels and a good heart. And um, I don't know about the wheels with him, but boy, the head and the heart and the hands are are sure there. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, one of the things that was interesting, uh, Chris, is after uh, senior night uh, and I was talking to him the next week and I said, Cameron, I said, uh, you're you're done here at, at um, Magnus. But I said, the season's not over with me. And he looked at me and he said, you know, he said, Scott, I haven't, I haven't ever touched a trophy uh, in my college playing career until I got to Denver. And I was able to touch the gold pan and the Penrose. And he said, I really want to touch that big trophy. And we all know mm-hmm. what he's talking about. The one they're going to hand out in Boston on April 9th. Um, mm-hmm. He just looked like a man on a mission. I, I asked coach Carl that tonight. In the press conference, I said, "Tell us about uh, Cameron Wright because it just appeared like he was just at another level of focus, energy, whatever it was this weekend." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 that was a really good point, Scott, because he he did seem even more engaged verbally, um, and he strikes me as sort of a quiet guy who's who's going to work hard and go about his business, but 
but he was more engaged, whether with his teammates, whether with the officials. Um, and you're, it was noticeable. It was noticeable. And I, I think, you know, for whatever reason, if it's the pursuit of the trophy, if it was the, you know, knowing how they needed to play to beat a great Duluth team. But you're right. He really, he really upped that. And it was impressive to see. The other thing I'll tell you, and you know this as well, but I, I talked with backup goaltender Matt Davis uh, about a month ago. And I, I just, when we finished up the interview, I said, tell me who the funniest guy is in the locker room. And he's, he laughed and he said, we got a lot of funny guys. I said, tell me who the most serious guy is in your locker room. And he, he took like a nanosecond. He said, Cameron, right? So I told Cameron that. I said, um, I asked that same question. And he goes, well, I wasn't the funny one. I said, no, but I was told you were the most serious. And I said, I told um, Matt Davis, I said, I think it's because he's been around and he's got the experience and he knows what it takes. And, uh, and Cameron kind of smiled at me and he said, yeah, maybe. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's something else. I, I think he, it, it was the missing piece. If there was a missing piece. Um, I want to ask you this though. Uh, this freshman class has been off the charts since the moment they stepped on the DU campus. Your mm -hmm. thoughts on that freshman class. Wow. <laughs> To, to have, I mean, starting from the back out, I mean, we don't probably know how good Matt Davis is because Magnus Corona played just about every game, but Davis sure looked good when he did play. He had, he yeah. came in with great stats from the USHL, you know, so you, you have a potential another stud in the net. You have two D defensemen who play every situation as freshmen. So if you're, if you're a defenseman and you play in every situation in college hockey, that's impressive. If you do it as a freshman, that's really impressive um, in Booyam and Barron's. And then you go up front and, you know, Rizzo and Mazer and Devine, um, Ozar got in some games this weekend. I mean, where does it end? And, and I mean, you know, Devine was so young when he came on campus, he wasn't even eligible to be drafted last year. Exactly. exactly. I, I mean, what a, what a collection of, of talent and they have more on the way next year. They might have six or seven of their incoming freshmen get drafted this summer. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, all you have to do is look at the uh, all freshman team <laughs> for the NCHC and four of them are pioneers. <laughs> when I was mm -hmm. at the uh, banquet in, in Minnesota last week, I was like, wow, where, where do we start? Because it's just one pioneer after another. And there could have been more. Um, uh, Massimo Rizzo has uh, just been phenomenal. I mean, um, and you mentioned Jack Devine, not even draft eligible. He'll be draft eligible this year. And certainly his stock has to have gone up. And Carter Mazur has looked like a, a man among boys, uh, the way he plays in front of the net. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think we've even touched the surface on him. I think he will be a big time mm -hmm. goal scorer um, mm -hmm. for the pioneers. So yeah, I agree with you. I don't know how David Carl got this, but it was kind of funny tonight in the press conference when somebody asked him about being on national TV and he said, yeah, it doesn't hurt recruiting either. <laughs> right. Yes. Yep. Yeah. He snuck that in and um, you know, what a great advertisement really when you think about <laughs> for it. Sure. So well, we know about the freshman class. Now I, I need to talk about the goaltender because 
Magnus Corona, and I told you this before, I said, uh, I, I worry just a tad. And it's not because I don't think Magnus has confidence. I think that um, he tends to be a little streaky. And after he gave up that first goal, he made the next save immediately afterwards. And then I thought he was lights out. I thought he was probably the best player on the ice the second, third period tonight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and much like last night, really, there were a couple of – or Thursday night, sorry. There were a few sequences where he had to make two or three really tough saves, and a smaller man probably isn't going to do that. But he, he was outstanding. And what people may not realize is in the past seven games that he's played, dating back to February 26th, he's only allowed 12 goals. You know, we, we heard a lot about Ryan Fanti, and deservedly so. He was unbelievable, unbelievable run. I mean, you know, over 200 scoreless minutes. But uh, look, 12 goals in seven games, five of which have been in the playoffs. I mean, that bodes very, very well for DU, I would have to say. And again, Magnus is from my conversations with him over the years, he's very pleasant, very even keeled. Um, you know, you don't, for you goalies out there, don't take this wrong, but you, <laughs> you don't get the impression that you're talking to a goalie with him is my, my takeaway. He's, he's just very even keeled. And I don't think his demeanor probably changes if he gives up zero goals or if he happens to give up three or four. Um, and I think that that helps. I think that sends a message to the rest of your lineup that, hey, he's got it under control. We need to, we need to have things under control. You know, we can do this. So I, I've been impressed with how he's played of late. He had that run in January where he had three shutouts in a row. Um, you know, he, he is the type of goalie who's capable of winning games for him. Yeah, and I think it goes all the way back, uh, Chris, to the summertime. I asked David Carl about it, and he said, I wasn't happy about um, the way he played last year, and I don't think he was either. So he said, to be honest with you, we sat down and had a real heart-to-heart -heart about what it was going to take for Magnus to, uh, to lead this team to a national championship. And again, uh, at Denver, as you know, they only talk about national championships. Everything else is uh, – secondary and I mean really secondary which is so refreshing to, to see because so many teams I've covered in the past Chris it's like yeah if we make the tournament yes we're in the tournament not, that's mm -hmm. not the case with the Pioneers it, it's you got to keep adding trophies to that trophy case and by the way they might need to make it a little bigger if they win this one in Boston yeah they very well could but they've had a lot of practice with renovations there so I think they I think they're up for it <laughs> Um, and I think they'd gladly do it if they needed more space. Um, you know, when they've won in recent times, they've always had good goaltending. Look back at 04, 05, um, 2017, even 2019, Larson. I mean, Larson just had North Dakota's number that year. They, 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 North Dakota could not beat them because Larson would not allow it. And, you know, I look at that 2019 team that no one thought had a chance after all the talent that went to the NHL and that, what do they do? They go to the frozen fort, new coach, they David Carl's first year and goaltending was such a big part of that. And I don't think this is any different. 
Yeah, I think you're totally right. Um, one more I got to mention, uh, and that's Auntie Tuamisto, who's been out with an injury for, geez, a good long time. Uh, I saw him skate at the frozen face-off. He didn't play, uh, but I saw him in practice, and I thought, yeah, it's good. Good to see him come back. Um, Auntie all year has been the stabling force on the decor, I think. When he's been in the lineup, uh, you, you'd very seldom call his name, and the reason you do that is because he doesn't make mistakes. Your thoughts mm-hmm. on Auntie? Well, I mean, the physical attributes to me are what jump off the chart. He's a, a <laughs> yeah. big guy who can skate. He's got a terrific reach. He's positionally sound. Um, he, he can handle the puck. I, and I feel like, you know, it's sort of a numbers game with him. But, you know, he could be a defenseman who put up bigger numbers. But that's not his role and on this team, at least. And he seems to be fine with it. But he is really, really talented and is one of those guys, I think, probably is only scratching the surface of what he could potentially be. Um, and he he did help him. I, I saw him when he was injured and wondered if that might be it for him for the season. But big, big help to have him back in the lineup. And with Lee, that's a that is a le- legit shutdown pair. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Okay, so so getting back to the game itself today, I thought, uh, and for people that don't know, Denver and UMD played six times. They split the series, if you will, <laughs> three mm-hmm. and three, uh, which tells you what, some games it was a, a, a blowout, a six-nothing blowout either way or whatever. Other games it was like tonight. It was 2-1 or, or 3 nothing or 2 nothing or whatever it might be. Um, they can play, both teams can play any style, but I thought the biggest adjustment uh, was made by Denver and, and David Carl in the fact that he he saw what happened at the frozen faceoff and he immediately knew that they could not play that way again if they were going to be successful should they run into Duluth again. And lo and behold, they run into him in the uh, regional final. And tonight I thought uh, the Pioneers owned the middle of the ice. I just thought mm-hmm. they had the puck and they had speed through the middle of the ice. And that just wears a team out, even a team as well-conditioned as UMD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point, Scott. And when you were talking about that after the game, I, I really thought back about it. And you're, you're right. And, you know, UMD always had a third guy and sometimes a fourth guy back. Um, they weren't super aggressive with their forecheck, um, at least to start the game. And DU was able to find space, come through the zone with speed and they established a lot of possession. They had more possession tonight than I think they did on Thursday against Lowell. And those adjustments obviously played a big role in it, but astute observation on your part, because they they were able to break through the the wall, if you will, at the blue line and um, get, get, get possession and keep it. Yeah, totally. I don't know if you heard this quote from the frozen faceoff, but Scott Sandlin said, um, I asked him about uh, his team and, and how they were getting better at tournament time. And he said, Hey, about three weeks ago, I told the guys um, that we're going to play, if we want to win a national championship or at least get close to it, uh, we're going to have to make sure that we have five guys coming back in the defensive zone every single shift. And then he paused and he said, and it's non-negotiable. And I just love that quote because I was going like, uh, 
okay, it's non-negotiable. So I followed up on that. I said, what does non-negotiable mean? He goes, it means if you don't do it one shift, you might not play the next. So he was dead serious that he wanted everybody coming back. And, and at the frozen face-off, I thought they did that to a T, both to uh, Denver and to Western Michigan. But mm -hmm. I knew David would have something different. And I thought what they did tonight was they started up the boards, but they didn't continue up the boards. When they got to their own blue line, they looked for that guy in the middle, and that broke things up. And I think um, Scott was trying to make the adjustments, but he just couldn't do it. And I think that what he, the reason he couldn't do it was – Denver is too fast. Mm -hmm. I agree. Absolutely. Um, and again, to enter the zone with at least one or two guys coming in with speed makes a big difference. And the type of speed that we saw, I mean, unless you're an NHL defenseman, an elite NHL defenseman, you're going to be back on your heels against that. And it just, it was impressive. That was a very impressive adjustment that DU made and it, it made a big difference. Okay. You know, so the shots on goal, the shots yeah. on goal. Do you had <laughs> you know, crazy? Yeah. And tw 26, seven shot attempts in the first period alone. That's insane. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so here's the deal. They win the West regional. We know that they're going to play uh, the winner of the Allentown regional. I'm not even sure what region that is. Um, maybe the Midwest. <laughs> The right. Midwest is just crazy to even say that. But anyway, uh, Michigan Quinnipiac will play tomorrow. The winner will get Denver. Um, you have a preference on who you'd like to see? I didn't even ask David that tonight because I thought it was too early. But um, you have a preference on who you'd like to see, Chris? I'd like to see Michigan. All yeah, I've heard all year is <laughs> Michigan, first-round draft pick upon first-round draft pick. And I watched quite a bit of their game yesterday, and they were impressive. But – Number one offense against number three offense. I think that would be a lot of fun, but take nothing away from Quinnipiac. Very good team and nice storyline there. Former pioneer Griffin Mendel um, having a very nice season for them. He was very good in yesterday's game. So either way, I think there's good storylines, but to me, I want to see him against Michigan. To me, that's the, that's the test. You know, they've been number one most, if not all of the season, you know, let's have a track meet. <laughs> exactly. And here's the other thing. If Michigan does win, um, it's going to be an all West frozen four, which I'm sure will irritate the people out East. But um, because the other one is uh, Minnesota and Western Michigan and um, it, you know, who knows how that one's going to go. Um I just don't know. I don't know what team we're going to get from Western Michigan. I think some nights they're world beaters and other nights they can get beat by a peewee team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have been inconsistent. Um, but again, when they have it going, as you've said, they're, they're a handful and they've had much better goaltending this year. I, I for years have thought, boy, if that team only had goaltending, they would really be tough to handle um, and, and they've got it this year. <laughs> so that will be, that's a toss up. That'll be a very, very interesting game. We could have two NCHC teams in the frozen four. We could have two big 10 teams in the frozen four. Um, be very, very interesting. And, you know, if Michigan wins, we know Minnesota state's there. They have the number two 
goals per game. DU has number one. You could have number three. Who's tied for number four? <laughs> Minnesota and Western Michigan. Yeah, that's crazy. That is you totally know, I, crazy. You could have top four scoring teams in Division One hockey all at the Frozen Four. And, and that other team you mentioned, Minnesota State, they just did uh, ho-hum what Minnesota State has done all year. one nothing victory. Dryden McKay with another shutout. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I thought he was the Richter Award runner last year. I don't know how he didn't win it. Um, mm-hmm. And if he doesn't win it this year, and I know uh, Peretz and I know uh, Devin Levi and guys like that have, have played outstanding this year, but, man, Dryden McKay, to me, has been the backbone um, set the NCAA record for shutouts in a, in a career. Um, he's just so solid. And they, they only needed was one goal tonight, and he made 23 saves, which shows you how good their defense is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, much like Duluth, actually, a very veteran veteran team. They're well coached. Um, they will not be an easy out. And, I, you know, I have read that they feel like last year, getting to the frozen four important step for them this year, they're not going to look at it as, Oh, happy to be here. I, I guarantee you that they, they want it and want it badly. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I've known Mike Hastings for she's 30 years <laughs> when he was just a, an assistant coach at a junior college team in Northern Minnesota. So I'm happy for Mike to get there. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a really good frozen four, no matter who gets there. Um, in the other two two regionals, but man, I I picked Denver to win it all just because I it's been a long time. And I don't know if I've told you this, Chris, or not, but uh, I think you got to go back to two thousand five, two thousand six North Dakota teams with guys like uh, Jonathan Taze and T.J. Oshie and Ryan Duncan, and um, before you find the depth that the Pioneers have, and the only thing I think is different is Denver's got four full lines. Uh, North Dakota mm-hmm. had about three, maybe three and a half. And if you remember correctly, they came out to play at what was uh, Pepsi Arena uh, back in 2005 or six. I don't remember mm-hmm. what uh, frozen faceoff that was held here in Denver. And they lost in the first round. And uh, I, I think it's that depth. And I just don't think Denver's going to uh, bow down to anybody. Well, if they can win games in the manner in which they had to at Loveland, that has to give them an enormous amount of confidence because they had not won very many one goal games this year. I mean, they might've only won one other one goal game before this weekend and lost a couple, but to do what they did. And then when you, like you said, Scott, to look down their lineup and you, you know, you look at their top line and you know, it's got almost 140 points. You look at their second line and you've got two freshmen that have combined for, 70 plus points and then you have a fifth year senior with 20 plus goals and then your third line center brett stapley has over 40 points <laughs> and and then as you you go down and, and i i think i've told you this you know to me mccade webster is the type of player he'd be a top six forward in most d1 programs i think i mean he was You're good correct. enough to get drafted and he's your fourth line center or your fourth, a fourth line wing. I mean, it is just, it is remarkable the depth that they have and the, and they can get scoring from anywhere. They're not a power play reliant team. Um, 
you know, they, they have multiple lines that are capable of getting multiple goals in a game. And you saw the adjustment they made tonight. You swap Barrow and Savoy and, and suddenly who do you check? You know, you've got Stapley <laughs> with Savoy. You still have Brink and Gutman and Barrow on the top line. And then you have that second line that's, you know, right in the two freshmen, which again, more than a hundred points from your second line. I mean, you know, as an opposing team, I guess the question I would have is who, who do you check? Which line do you focus on? I mean, I don't think you can. You definitely cannot. And uh, I've made that comment multiple times this year is that uh, there's a lot of times I can't tell what line is on the ice. And sometimes I'll watch, especially at Magnus this year, uh, Chris, the, um, the Gutman line, seems like they don't play for a period. And I'm going like, what? Well, you're number one line. But that's a, a luxury that David's had this year because they've scored so many goals and mm-hmm. he's gotten so many contributions from the other lines that I think he can rest them a shift or two. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and that that has been obvious in some of these games where they've put up five, six, seven, eight goals and – you know, the second period, it's interesting to me, too. The, the second period has been their period this year. And they didn't win either of these games in the second period. They won them at crunch time in the third period. But if they build a two or three goal lead and then a team has to get out of its system and start really taking chances or jumping a defenseman up, it really could snowball in a hurry. And it has. I mean, you've seen it many times. I've seen it many times this year. Um, it's just the, the amount of skill and speed is, is quite impressive. Okay. So you got a few years on me here covering Denver hockey. Um, Mm -hmm. what's going to happen with this fan base? Are they going to be able to make that trip to Boston? Is it that big of a deal, uh, for the fans to get there? Are they happy to watch it on TV here? I mean, Boston's a a hall. I mean, yes, uh, it's a hall on an airplane and it's a, you know, it's about as far east as you can get in the United States of America. So what, what's your thoughts? What's the pulse on the fan base going to the Frozen Four here? Well, there, there, there is a, lo- a loyal and dedicated crew of, of Denver fans here. But what you'll see at the Frozen Four is the alumni. You, the alumni of this program, 70 plus years deep, will be out in force. And there'll be people who may not live in Denver, who will, it's a frozen four, they'll be there. But uh, I just think back to when they had their their 70-year celebration a few years back and all the guys representing every single generation of Denver hockey that were there that weekend. And people who have been to multiple frozen fours have told me that that's how it is at, at the frozen four. You just have DU alumni DU hockey alumni coming out of the walls. (laughs) And so locally, tough to say if you've got a young family, you know, probably tough to pull off. Uh, But I think the the greater (laughs) fan base, the alumni um, for the school and the alumni for the hockey program, I'm pretty sure they'll be out in force and, um, you know, they're all over the place. So I, I, th- I don't think fan support in Boston will be an issue. Might be wrong, but I, th- I don't think it's going to be an issue. I have a, a little bit of a chuckle and I'm sure you've seen this uh, as well and heard this before, but uh, 
Denver is such a competitive town. Uh, they want to win everything that they do. And I, you know, coming from Arizona as I did, um, it's just, it's so transient. And I, I scream at people because I go, if you're going to move to Arizona, then start buying into the Arizona teams, but it never happens. I mean, you go to a mm -hmm. football game, whatever. Uh, there's, there's people from all over. A, a Coyotes game uh, against Toronto will have half the, the crowd from Toronto. Uh, and I, go, I know it's a warm weather climate and all that, but uh, I'm listening to talk radio this week, Chris, and I'm, I'm hearing like barely anything about the Pioneers hosting uh, an NCAA regional. I get it. I mean, you, you go with the big things and you got Russell Wilson and the Rockies and the Avalanche and, um, of course, the Nuggets. You go down the list. So I get that part of it. But what was interesting was they were talking about NCAA championships and it was had to do with NCAA basketball. And the guys were looking through the list to see who the who had won the most NCAA championships. And all of a sudden they said, oh, University of Denver's got 33 NCAA championships. And they were all mm -hmm. stunned of that. And then somebody said, yeah, well, maybe it's hockey. And I'm thinking there's only <laughs> been eight in hockey out of the right. 33, which is a pretty good number. But by the way, there could be nine. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it, I think it's an uphill battle. And I think, I think they, they realize that it is they being, you know, the DU athletic department. I mean, you know, look, there's a lot of people here who bleed orange, you know, the major league baseball strike just ended. So there's going to be some buzz about the Rockies. The nuggets are really good. The avalanche look like a Stanley cup contender, CU, CSU alumni. I mean, it is a challenging, challenging, I mean, in a good way, but it's a challenging sports market. If you're, you know, DU, DU hockey as great as it is. And, I was struck by that when I, I came here in 2015 and, you know, had been familiar with DU from the WCHA days and <laughs> knew how, knew how good they were and how good the conference was. I mean, you know, Duluth has been good a long time. North Dakota has been really good a long time. I mean, you know, you knew it was good. The NCHC would be a fantastic conference, but I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I feel like, the hockey people know that, but maybe the greater population hasn't caught on to just how good this program is. And and like you said, the, the whole athletic department is just a championship um, machine, you know, 33 national championships. Yeah. I think they said it was like 13th in the country. Um, and which is just crazy to think about that. But, and then you walk on the campus and you realize how small and quaint it is. And you go, mm -hmm. you go, a 33 national championships came out of here, but yeah, it's a fact. Okay. I want to end it on this. I, I, you told me you could only go 20 minutes and we've just blown by that. Uh, that's <laughs> I told, fine. I told Let's you. Talk it all night. It's hockey. Let's, it's <laughs> hockey. Let's talk all night. So let me ask you this. Um, I told you this tonight. I said, people, that didn't vote for David Carl to be the NCHC coach of the year. And maybe the people that will not vote for him for a national coach of the year. Um, what a fantastic job he's done. And I tweeted it out tonight. I said, he's my coach of the year because when you look at, and Chris, I said this last year with the pod, I said, if there's one team that this pod is going to hurt, it's Denver. And everybody said, why? Mm -hmm. And I said, because they build uh, for their conference season, 
by non-conference. And when you don't get a non-conference, it's like a fish out of water. You have to, and then all of a sudden you get thrown into the pod where it's game after game after NCHC teams. I mean, how, how do you build that? So mm-hmm. what David's done this year, I thought has been unbelievable. And of course we won't forget his quote of last year when he thought uh, they were going to get into the NCAA tournament. And he, uh, he said, it's hard to end somebody's season uh, when they beat Omaha. And then the next thing you know, Omaha's in and Denver's out. So your thoughts on right. uh, David Carl and what you've seen his whole tenure? Because you've seen it all. I I have, and you know when he was hired there, and I won't mention who told me this, but there was a former defenseman who didn't play a ton when he was at DU, but I had known him a long time and asked him what his thoughts were, and he said quite simply, "DC is the best coach I have ever had at any level of hockey," and he played for quite a while. And I asked him why, and he said he's, he's a great teacher. And so having a young lineup like they had last year, you know, I, I think it, it illustrates your point, Scott, that you, you need that time to sort of get these guys, geared, not just geared up, but meshed together to play an NCHC schedule. Well, he, you know, they didn't make the tournament last year. They're going to the Frozen Four this year, and they've had to be heavily reliant on freshmen and sophomores. I mean, over half their lineup are freshmen and sophomores. And to me, to get them to mesh like that and do it in the the manner that they have, where they're a, a team that many nights is, is, you know, they're not just winning, they're blowing people out across the board. I mean, they've had very few close games um, and it's just, it, it's really impressive to me. And I, I don't see how he couldn't be the NCHC coach of the year, given how experienced some of the other teams were. And, you know, whether you look at, you know, look at the teams in the tournament. I mean, they're all veteran teams. I mean, DU is the youngest team of any of those. And uh, to do what they've done and uh, to, to change on the fly, like they had to Thursday and today, to play the style of game that they had to play to get the job done and then to do it to me, that, that tells you all you need to know. He's done a fantastic job and um, he credits their leadership and, and kind of to bring it full circle with one thing you mentioned earlier is, you know, these seniors really did a great job incorporating all the newcomers, whether it was newcomer Cam Wright or newcomer Carter Mazur. I mean, they they really brought everybody together. Um, and, and player after player has told me how much they just enjoy hanging out. And they didn't have that last year. They, they could only practice in small groups for much of the year. They weren't supposed to hang out together outside of the rink. I mean, they, they couldn't even get dressed for a game in the same locker room together. I don't know if you knew yeah. that, but half of them had to get That's dressed insane. in one. Half of them had to get dressed. I mean, those just because of what the protocols were and, you know, like them or don't like them, that that's what they were. So, you know, to build a team and then, oh, by the way, go, you know, start your season, you know, here's Duluth, here's St. Cloud, here's North Dakota, you know, I mean, it would be very hard for a veteran team to run that gauntlet and, you know, much less one that relied on a lot of young players last year. And uh, I just, I think he's done a masterful job. I think Dallas Ferguson, Tavis McMillan, Ryan Massa has done a terrific job with Magnus. I mean, 
their whole staff deserves a lot of credit, in my opinion, for getting this young team to mesh. They've improved their penalty. I mean, their penalty kill. They've killed off 20 of the last 21 penalties they've taken. And and the PK was probably my number one concern about them coming into the season. Well, you know, other people have said, well, what about goaltending? Well, guess what? Goaltending, 12 goals against in the past seven games Magnus has started. Penalty kill, last 21 chances, 20 kills. I mean, that's what you have to do at this time of the year, isn't it? Absolutely it is. Goaltending specialty teams usually are the key. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this quick story on the four teams that I covered this year, uh, Denver, Air Force, Colorado College, and Arizona State. I had the privilege of seeing all four practice multiple times. And I made the, the comment to my co-hosts and other people that uh, I've never seen um, four really good, high-caliber college hockey programs with four different coaches doing four different things. And by that, I mean they adjusted to what they had for players and uh, what they wanted to see from their players. And one of the things I noticed early on with DC was um, – he did not want to see his guys taking hard shots from outside the dots. And I remember mm-hmm. watching a practice and he was screaming at guys if they did that, because he said, we don't need any odd man rushes because you missed the net. So he wanted them to hit the net and take the shot from inside the dots that, that kind of prevented that odd man rush. And I think that is really propelling them down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I didn't, I didn't know that, but that, that is a terrific point. And you're right. They, they did not fire away wildly from the blue line very often. Um, and, and they, and a, a team like Duluth that counters so well, you know, you didn't see a whole lot of those where puck squirts free off they go two on one, three on one, whatever the case might be. Yeah. So I think, I think what his players are doing are, and you know, uh, Carter Savoy shot is uh, second to none. And if he misses the net um, from outside the dots, that puck is outside the zone in a nanosecond. Uh, so I get it, but I think the guys have bought into that. They're going like, okay, if, if I have to, if I'm open and I'm outside the dots, I'm just not going to shoot the puck. I'm either going to look to pass or try to figure out a way to get inside the dots before I shoot it. And, and that's what's stopping the odd man rushes. And uh, I, I was just impressed with that. Uh, the final thing, and I promise I'll let you go on this one, is um, as I look at uh, the way this program continues to build, and we talked about the alumni and the tradition and, uh, and all of that, and, and I keep asking the guys, I think they get sick of it, but I ask them all, uh, hashtag pioneer together. Uh, has it ever been more prevalent in the years that you watched them than it is this year? Hmm. Boy, I, I would have to say, I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I mean, a couple of the teams, I think that the 2015, 2016 team that made it to the frozen four, um, they had such an uneven first half and then really went on a second half heater, um, and were very cohesive by the time they got deep into the tournament, uh, that would be one I would maybe think of, um, you know, the next year when they won the championship, I think that, you know, that would be the other example. And, and, you know, that wasn't as deep of a team as this was their top guys were unbelievable, but 
boy, they had a lot of guys who played specific roles and played them really well and never, never complained, never heard a peep out of them. So I would go to those, you know, kind of the building toward that championship season. And then that championship season where you, you saw that, um, but this, this group from, from the beginning of the year, you've heard kind of the all for one, one for all mantra and, you know, sure seems like it's true. So maybe hashtag pioneer together is just the way this program is. <laughs> I, I think so. And I think it starts at the top. I really do. I mean, I, you know, when you look at David's career, look at what he's had to overcome. I mean, he was a high end prospect before, you know, his heart issues were discovered. I mean, you know, such a great teacher of the game. I mean, I've seen that at practices. I've had player after player tell me that. Um, I, I think it starts at the top that their their leadership group this year is is also something special. Okay, so there's, what, roughly 12 days until uh, the next time they'll play a game. What's going to be the procedure this week? How many days do they take off? When do they get back to work in your estimation? You know, many times over the years, I've heard DC and others say rest is a weapon. So I'm sure they'll have a day or two to, to rest, recover, um, you know, apply ice packs. I mean, these weren't easy games, <laughs> but I, I would imagine, you know, by Tuesday, they're probably, you know, jumping back into it. They'll probably want to have a pretty, pretty solid week of practice before they, they head East the following week. So um, I'd expect them to make the most of it. I mean, they're, you know, they're not going to be skating Herbies or anything like that. I don't think, <laughs> but, but All right. uh, G- give me a plug for uh Magnus mayhem. What do you got in the works? Cause your in-depth stories are fantastic. You and I have talked about uh, the story with uh, Frank Serratore and how deep you went into that. What are you going to do between now and the frozen uh, frozen four to uh, hype up this thing? Well, you know, I always like, I love, history and and hockey history. So I will for sure take a look at that. Um, And there's a few players I really want to, I hope to spend some time with and, and um, do longer features on, you know, let people get to know them a little bit. I mean, as much as is possible in a a web story, but um, that that's kind of my approach. I mean, I try not to do too much of the blow by blow stuff, but really get into the, 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 the person who's, who's the person you know, lacing them up and, and uh, how they gotten to this point, what does this, you know, mean for them? So have some ideas about that. I haven't nailed it down yet, but, you know, kind of a mix of those two things, the history, and then, you know, who might be some key players and kind of their story. So how do people get to it? How do they get to see what you write and what you blog? Oh, well, if uh, for this this crowd, uh, magnusmayhem.com, um, like I said, seven years, there's, you know, if you, you can search names, games, you know, it's all on there. Um, so that that I guess is the is the big way. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, I do have an Air Force blog, afaflightpath.com. Um, and I appreciate you mentioning the story about Frank. It, it was a, a big undertaking, but, um, you know, <laughs> and a lot of people of told it. you that too, didn't they? <laughs> yes. A lot of people did tell me a lot of people. Yeah. They told me a lot of things actually, but, um, yeah. And then, uh, like I said, there's other, you know, outlets in California that I've written for and, um, have done work for Colorado hockey hub at times. Not, not currently, but, 
Um, so, you know, that the, the focus now, obviously, with DU Frozen 4, MagnusMayhem.com is, you know, where you'll where you'll find my work. And um, I so appreciate you having me on, Scott. I, it's always great to see you at the rink, and I love talking hockey with you. Well, we're going to do it again, uh, probably sooner than you know, because <laughs> this is okay. going to be this is going to be a crazy couple of weeks, and and you're my go-to guy. So I hope I can call you a friend. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure Absolutely. meeting you and seeing all of your work, and and I appreciate you coming on like uh, tonight on short notice. I really appreciate you taking care of me when I leave stuff behind. So, <laughs> thanks like again I said, I'm that. always happy to help. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, Magnus Mayhem. It's 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 a service. You know that. <laughs> I have a, a servant's heart, so happy to help, Scott. <laughs> Chris, I appreciate it. Uh, have a good night. I'll see you around the rink. And uh, I don't know if you're going Frozen 4, and then I'm, I'm going to attempt it. So uh, hopefully I, I get out there and can follow this team right to the very end. It, it's been a pleasure so far, and I just know it's going to continue to be that way. So thanks again mm-hmm. for your time, and we will be in touch. And uh, Magnus Mayhem, roll on. All right. Well, you're very welcome, and thank you again, Scott. Absolutely. That's Chris Bay from Magnus Mayhem and the uh, AFA Flight Path, uh, which is just fantastic. Great blog work that Chris does. And we're, uh, we're thrilled to have him on. We're going to take one other quick break and I'll come back and wrap up this episode of College Hockey Southwest Live. It's a special episode, folks. It's for the West Regional Champions of Denver Pioneers. We'll be right back. More than 140 live games from the nation's best college hockey conference. Ready for you, wherever you are, however you want to watch. Your favorite team is on nchc.tv. On your phone, tablet, or stream to your TV. Subscribe now to watch the best in college hockey at nchc.tv. If it's nchc hockey, it's on nchc.tv. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said. It's been running through my head, locked and loaded. All right, still got it. Still got it. Who's old now? any hockey player in the desert southwest and they'll all tell you the same thing we love going to the rink and sandals now you can show off your game in style with summer skates officially licensed summer skates are comfortable washable and can be designed to show off your fandom phil kessel your guy big william carlson fan or is austin matthews the man have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite nhl player or shout out your own game with your own number Team discounts and customization available, too, for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice? Our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable. Show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com.
As you plan your next trip, or perhaps your first trip in a while, Drury Hotels has over 150 locations to help you travel happy again. Winners of 16 consecutive JD Power Awards for guest satisfaction, Drury Hotels treats you right. Free hot breakfast and happy hours, 24-hour fitness and business centers, as well as more than enough Wi-Fi bandwidth to take care of all your connectivity needs. Whether you're traveling for business, catching a hockey game, or just trying to reconnect with cozy moments, Drury Hotels have the location and amenities you need when looking for a place to stay. Call 1-800-DRURY-IN or go to druryhotels.com and book your stay today. Drury Hotels, where our home is your home. At Behind the Mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. Point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or BehindTheMask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our three Valley locations or online at BehindTheMask.com. Broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is College Hockey Southwest Live. All right. Welcome back in, NCAA hockey fans. Indeed, it is College Hockey Southwest Live. Scott Strandy with you tonight, running solo uh, as uh, my co-host is uh, busy doing family things, which we always say family first. So uh, Paul will be back with me tomorrow night as we get back to College Hockey Southwest Live in that normal 7.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Appreciate all the listeners today piping in and uh, chiming in as you uh, listen to our NCAA coverage. A special show tonight, a Saturday night show, strictly because it is the NCAA Division I Regional Tournament. Denver wins over UMD to uh, capture the West uh, in Loveland uh, with a 2-1 victory. Minnesota State does what Minnesota State does, relies on Dryden McKay and Nathan Smith to a 1-0 uh, shutout victory to win the Albany, New York um, Regional over Notre Dame, a two to one, uh, one nothing game, which means there are two left: Michigan versus Quinnipiac in the Allentown, Pennsylvania Regional, and of course Western Michigan against Minnesota in the Worcester, Massachusetts Regional. That'll be the final two spots to get into the uh, Frozen Four. We know Denver will face either Michigan or Quinnipiac. We know Minnesota State will face either Western or Minnesota. So we'll bring it all to you and recap it all for you tomorrow night. Put a bow on it as we prepare for our Frozen Four coverage. I will shout out everybody and say if you're interested in jumping on board for the Frozen Four coverage, I have 12 spots that are going at an incredible price, 75% off the uh, regular corporate partnership price. You just need to DM me. Let me know if your business wants to get on board and uh, support the Pioneer Skate to Boston. I'll be happy to get in touch with you this week, and we'll get it up and, and get you running so you're on all the podcasts as we lead up to the national championship on April 9th from TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Once again, my thanks to uh, Chris Bay from Magnus Mayhem, uh, Mayhem and also the, the uh, AFA Flight Path 
for joining me tonight and talking hockey with me. I was great to talk to Chris. Him and I sit next to each other virtually every game that's played at Magnus and a lot of times at Air Force as well. So I was great to, uh, to talk hockey. He's a great resource. And if you haven't been to read his stuff, get there because nobody digs deeper than what, uh, what Chris Bay does. So I appreciate him coming on and spending some time with me tonight. And uh, we'll say goodnight with a little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers here in just a minute. And uh, we'll ask everybody to join us tomorrow as we get ready for um, the uh, recap of the other two regionals and preparation for the Frozen Four. From the Summer Skate Studios behind the Mass College Hockey Southwest Live on the IcetimeHockeySW.com network has been brought to you by Burrito Express. Homemade taste, takeout speed. Six East Valley locations. Go to BurritoExpress.com to find the one near you. Behind the mask, whether you use blades or wheels, whatever your hockey needs are, see our Three Valley locations or BehindTheMask.com. Peterson Toyota, whether you are looking for your dream car or shopping on a budget, we take the time to find the perfect Toyota to fit your needs. At 4455 South College Avenue in Fort Collins. Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, the best in barbecue, Las Vegas style. Available at all Allegiant Stadium events and, of course, at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard. By the NCHC and NCHC.TV. Subscribe to NCHC.TV and catch all of the action from the toughest conference in college hockey. Drury Inns and Suites, now an official Disney World hotel. Book your stay now for travel starting this October at DruryHotels.com. Jets Pizza. Go to JetsPizza.com to find your fresh deal at your nearest Jets location today. Metro by T-Mobile. Get exclusive offers by becoming part of T-Mobile Tuesdays when you switch to Metro by T-Mobile. Top Golf. Play some of the world's most iconic golf courses without packing a suitcase. Find out how. See your local Top Golf Center or go to TopGolf.com. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos worldwide. It's where the action is, in the resort or in town. And by M-Drive. Go to mdriveformen.com to see which M-Drive formula is for you. College Hockey Southwest Live presented by Behind the Mask and all of the IceTimeSW.com podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app and are available for download at the iTunes Store, Google Play Store, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and on the TuneIn app. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts. Behind the Masks, College Hockey Southwest Live, and all of our weekly podcasts are a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. How, how great is that? My co-host, Paul Hornstein, sounds just as good on recording as he does live. Appreciate him taping the, uh, the uh, recording for us on the close tonight. We'll say goodnight with little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers, De Niro, and we'll talk to you all again tomorrow night as we wrap up the NCAA Ice Hockey Regional Tournaments. Good night, everybody.